Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, Today we are launching uh, our new sermon series called Called In. Uh, We'll be exploring throughout these four weeks in September uh, what it means to call each other in and call ourselves in um, as opposed to calling one another out. uh, As we relearn how to navigate community, as we relearn how to be with one another, um, what might it look like for us to um, call each other in and not call each other out? Today we focused on uh, calling ourselves in and how we begin with ourselves and caring for and checking in on our uh, physical, emotional, mental beings so that we can love one another. Uh, we drew from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. Check out the sermon here. Good morning. My name is Jim O'Farrell. This morning we begin a new four-week series of Called In and start by reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets and the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree, and he fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. 
I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. Holy words for God's people. Y'all, I'm uh, wondering if you've ever been called out. Anyone ever been called out before? Uh, <laughs> I think. There was a time uh, that I can remember uh, our organization in D.C., we were hosting a group for a week-long seminar. <coughs> and, and the group was from the Midwest. Uh, it was made up of, uh, of multiple churches that sent people who were college and all the way up to senior adults. And I was, I was leading this workshop on how we can experience the world through a lens of faith and how we can live into God's call for, for justice. And so, so we do these introductions. You go around the circle, tell us your name, tell us where you're from, why did you uh, choose to come on this trip. And then it's my turn, and I do my intros as well. And then I give this amazing workshop. It was so good. It was, it was participatory. It was, it was engaging. And they were coming up with these plans to, to, to take with them of what we learned together to implement back in their home churches and their communities. They, they were energized for this holy work. And, and I was ready to bless them and send them off. And so I closed with this devotion. I talk about how God calls all of us. And as people of faith, God calls us, but in different stages of our lives. So the point was that it's not when God calls us, but that God does indeed call us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And I said something like this. I said, hey, irregardless of your background and your experiences, God, and some of you all just uh, did what uh, the participants there did. Uh, without letting me finish my thought, there was a, a guy who was sitting in the circle. He heard me say that sentence, and he raised his hand, and he started talking. And he said, Joe, I, I just got to call you out real quick. Irregardless is not a word. <laughs> and then he put his hand down, and then uh, he waited for me to finish. <laughs> like, What? <laughs> Like, I didn't even remember saying irregardless because that wasn't the point, right? The point was that he and everyone else in the room was called and that I couldn't wait to see how God would work in them and through them and in their lives and in their community for justice for all. But all he could hear was the word irregardless, and he had to call me out to make sure that I knew that he knew, and that everyone else knew that I was grammatically incorrect. Maybe you've experienced this, this, this feeling of, of being called out. It's not a great feeling. This act of, of calling out, this direct challenge done, usually in public, to expose a wrong, it, it threw me off. And it threw me off at one of the most important parts of the workshop. But more than that, it, it made me really defensive. See, I, I no longer wanted to engage with him. And frankly, I felt the need to prove him wrong. And he was wrong, by the way. Just for the record, irregardless is a word, though listed as non-standard, 
It first appeared in Merriam-Webster's unabridged edition in 1934 and is included in Webster's New World College Dictionary, the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, the Cambridge Dictionary. You want me to keep going? Because I got him here. <laughs> Look, even if he was right, I wonder if that was the best way to correct me to stop me in the middle of what I was doing, in the middle of this devotion, and to, to call me out. Because I wonder what, what could have happened or what would have happened if he called me in. When he called me out, I got super defensive. I, I no longer wanted to engage. I had to prove him wrong. But if he called me in, could he have found a more appropriate time where I could hear and receive what he was offering? Could he have engaged with me in a, in a way that would have helped me grow and helped me learn? Could he have fixed my words or my actions or my behavior through compassion, empathy, kindness? I want to be clear that there are absolutely a lot of things that need to be addressed in our society, in our communities. There are things that we should be addressing and speaking against. But I wonder if we might do that from a posture of calling one another in rather than calling each other out. Okay? We're going to be spending the next four weeks thinking about this idea of called in, how, how we call in others, how we ourselves are called in. And today we're going to start with this idea of calling in ourselves, right? calling in ourselves. If we turn to our text, we're in the middle of this narrative histories of Israel. It's outlined throughout First and Second Kings. And by now, uh, we, we know that King David uh, the, the, uh, was an amazing king. He had a long reign, successful king. He, reu he united the tribes of Israel into one kingdom. And then his son Solomon followed after him. He reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem after that. But when he dies, the, the kingdom splits as his sons. They battle one another for power. And the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they, they make up the southern kingdom of Judah. And the other ten tribes make the northern kingdom of Israel. And by the time we get to our text, we get to chapter 17, we, we, we find that a new king comes into power in this northern kingdom. It's King Ahab. And scripture tells us that King Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. We know that he marries Jezebel. He, he goes on to serve and worship other gods, specifically this god Baal, right? And it's in this context when we, when we meet Elijah, who, who is called by God to speak truth to Israel, and, and then we start navigating a series of his stories, so chapter 17, we, 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 he receives this offering from this widow, and he, he blesses it, and he keeps this jar of meal going to sustain her and her son's life during the drought. And when the son dies, he, he comes and he revives that same son from death later in that chapter. And then we get to chapter 18. Elijah confronts King Ahab, and, and Elijah goes to him and says, Hey, Ahab, you, you're the problem. 
You're the reason Israel is experiencing this drought. You're the reason we're in trouble. And Elijah holds Ahab accountable for all that is happening and ends up challenging the prophets of Baal in this time. And the rules are really simple. It's it's this one-time event, right? You 450 prophets, you go and you build an altar here. I'm going to go build my altar here. And then you find a bull, and I'll find a bull, and we'll put them on our altars. And then you lay yours there, I'll lay mine there, and we're going to pray. And here's how you win. The first one to get fire gets to declare victory. And these prophets, they, they try all day. They're praying, and they're, they're doing their, their own things. And, and, and Elijah here, he, he starts to taunt them. <laughs> He starts to to make fun of them. He starts to uh, put water on his own bull over and over and over. And then finally, when Elijah prays, while the 450 are still waiting, the fire arrives and the drought finally ends. Can you imagine Elijah at that moment? How good it would feel, right, to have done God's work to have been a conduit for God to act, to bring respite to all God's people as the drought clears and and heavy rain falls, offering refreshment for all the people, these people who have desperately needed the water to sustain life. Then we get to our text. And Ahab has retreated back to his palace And he tells Jezebel all that Elijah has done. And Jezebel sends this messenger to Elijah telling him that she will kill him by tomorrow. And so Elijah fears for his life. He he travels. He he goes all the way to Beersheba. He crosses the border into the southern kingdom about 100 miles from where he was before. And he sits down under this tree, ready to die. Because he's tired. He's tired from all that work of bringing rain. He's tired from running. He's tired, emotionally drained from being fearful for his life. He's tired, and so he sits down at this tree to die. And here's what I love about this text. After all of that, no one forces Elijah to get up and get back to work. No one reminds him that there is more work to be done, that there's no time to rest. No one guilts him to think that he's wasting God's precious time or, or even his own time. No one is calling him out for taking a break. Instead, Elijah is given food and drink and the opportunity to take a nap. How often do you find yourself calling yourself out. I'm not good at that. That's really hard. I should be better at this. 
My work project was horrible. I I nearly failed a test. I'm not a good parent. I'm a terrible friend. I just need to put my head down and push and push and push until I have nothing left to give. Perhaps there's a better way for us to call ourselves in, to be gentle with ourselves, to treat our hearts and our souls and our beings with kindness, with with compassion, to break free from these cycles of negativity. I think to love ourselves, it, it requires us to do that holy, reflective work of knowing ourselves, to stop for sustenance, to to stop for food, to stop to rest, to to know what is happening in our own physical beings, our, our own emotional beings, our own mental beings, to know ourselves enough to pause. And it's in doing this holy work when we are able to hear God and then in turn we can love one another better. It's in doing the holy work of stopping and pausing and resting and caring for ourselves that we might be open to hear God, that we might love one another, and that we might love ourselves too. You know, this is one of the reasons why we do this thing called communion. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons why we come to the table. We, we recognize God's grace is freely given to us, abundantly given to us, and we recognize that we do this in community. We do it with one another, affirming the love and the grace and the belovedness in one another, and we receive the bread and juice. We receive the food and drink as a means of sustenance, as a means of refueling, as a means of care for ourselves on this journey ahead. And when we do fall short, because we will fall short, we trust that we are loved, that we are beloved, We know that when life gets hard, perhaps through the care that we show ourselves, we might be open to receiving these gifts of grace. Amen? All right, so that was our first sermon of this Called In series. Uh, We hope you take seriously the challenge to care for yourself Uh, This week, maybe take a couple minutes uh, every day or uh, take a little bit of time or uh, a special snack or some way that you can really tend to and treat yourself with grace and with kindness, compassion, um, and see how we might uh, experience the world in new and transformative ways. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and uh, we will talk to you soon. 